0: Contemplative, 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 The Contemplative Podcast. Hello my name is Matt Emery and welcome to The Contemplative Podcast. This is episode 12 and on this episode I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend Sina Buka of Inja Records, a label very close to my heart having released a handful of records with her over the last two to three years. And before we start, I would like to say I hope you're all keeping well wherever you're listening to this in the world. Be safe, be kind and also do check in with those who might be vulnerable or needing help at this time. So if you've run out of things to do or you're looking for something new or you're going a bit stir crazy, here are a couple of podcasts that I've been enjoying recently and I think are worth checking out. First one is Excuse the Mess with Ben Corrigan. Uh, It's a great podcast. Um, normally he writes a piece with the composer in discussion and it's just a really good one to check out. Uh, i also really enjoying Soundtrack.Academy with Johnny Armandary. Um Some great insights with some great composers on that podcast. Uh, Song Exploder, which I've mentioned before in previous podcasts, I think with uh, Ava. And Soundtracking with Edith Bowman, another one that's been brought up. Um, obviously more well known, those two podcasts, but... Uh, some great great episodes so definitely recommend that. Also our very own contemplative maestro Michael Price is hosting a composer coffee break every Monday at 3pm. You can find the group on Facebook or Discord. It's a live webinar via Zoom uh, hosted by Michael with two guests normally They've been fantastic so far, they've had some amazing guests, so you can join him for an hour's chat, then uh, go and find the, the groups and find out more information how you can get involved with that. Okay, so back to the podcast, I had the privilege to chat to Sina of Ninja Zero about how the label begun, uh, her previous work at Fat Cat Records, vinyls, physical releases and the environment the importance of artwork, her own music that she releases under the name Valette. Uh, we have a very important insight to the imbalance ratio of women to men working in the music industry, both as artists and from the industry side too, and amazing organisations supporting females and raising the awareness and importance of this imbalance. Cena also shares some of her favourite non-Indiazira releases with us, as well as a rundown of the artists she's currently working with on her label. And as always, there'll be music along the way, with snippets taken from the label roster, including Steve Gibbs, Hain Ali, Hinoko Amore, Petra, LTO, myself and one of Cena's tracks under a artist named Vallette. But to kick things off, this is C-Diab with Butterflies. <laughs> seen us at the Contemplative Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We're here in the Ninja Zero HQ, yes,
1: uh,
0: overlooking London, which is lovely. Um, you
1: have memories here. Yeah, yeah I know. Was, like, I know. Good memories. Really
0: good memories.
1: <laughs> such a nice day.
0: Yeah, I know. The sun is shining. We've actually lucked out today.
1: When you played, it was such a nice day.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe we should mention that because people will probably think, uh, what happened here? Yeah. <laughs> we, did, um, we did, that was the first time um, uh, I heard you do, uh, like, an acoustic set. Yeah. And we had, in this HQ, we moved away all the furniture and did a so-far sound session yeah. um, in, 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 in this premises. And we moved the piano, it was an upright Yamaha, um, towards the um, floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking London. It was a beautiful sunset. And you played an incredible solo set. And it was just, like, everyone was stunned and everyone was just, like... Yeah, it was a magical, magical day, sunsetting, you playing, and then everyone sitting down and just enjoying your yeah. music. That's when the record was, came out. Yeah, right before it came so, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: lovely, lights go down and the whole of London was lit up in the background, that's, uh, yeah.
1: It was a beautiful set, it yeah. was like, we were really, we really loved it, everyone yeah. loved it.
0: Awesome, thank you. <laughs> that's a great intro.
1: <laughs> I, I think I introduced you. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. <laughs> well... So um, you've been running Injazero Records now for quite a while. Um, what inspired you to set up the record label, and what were you doing beforehand? How did the you come to set it up?
1: Um, I actually I had the initial idea when I was living in Istanbul, and um, I was working as a music music journalist there, and I was also DJing, and um, I always wanted to make music, and I always wanted to be working in the music industry, and I always wanted to be an ANR. Um, in the music industry, I was meeting a lot of international artists. I was lucky to be working at a really good um, TV station and working for a really good, reporting for a really good um, culture and arts show. Um, and then um, when I, I kept meeting these amazing artists, and they got me really inspired. And I thought, okay, Istanbul is amazing, but I need to be at the center of the music industry. Yeah. So I applied to do my MA at King's um, in cultural industries. And whilst I was working there, we had to do an internship for credit. And um, I applied to a few of my favorite labels and um, Fat Cat and 130701, yeah. um, James, uh, who we became colleagues after, um, I had an interview with him. And then um, I got in and I started working at Fat Cat, um, luckily, which was a life changing experience. And I loved label work. I loved, yeah. especially the creative side of it. Um, maybe not so much the accounting and, and the <laughs> legal legal bits, but you know, that comes with, you know, the job. Yeah. But um, it was a lot of fun. Um, and I, I keep I kept thinking to myself, I want to be able to decide on the creative things myself. And at the same time, I was running this uh, little blog called In the UK, and um, I was getting so many submissions of incredible music from unsigned artists. And I was thinking to myself, oh, if I had a label, I'd definitely sign this artist. If I like, I just kept saying, if I had a label, if I had a label, and I, I started thinking, well, why don't I have a label? And then just just try. You know, it may work out. It may not work out. But this is something I really want to do. At first, I I thought you know I I would find work at a label I loved, and I was doing that, which was great. But it ca- there came a point where I said, I want to be an A and R, and then decide on what I want to do. Do the creative direction myself. Yeah. Which I'm very lucky and happy to do at this label because I think Injezira has a very strong visual aesthetic for me to me to my eyes and then um yeah so from that idea inja zero was born and um initially um, I, um we the first our first release was LTO, an ep and then um i released um a tiny ep on it myself yes. my ep as well and um at first i mean it's still a small boutique label niche label but at the same time i think it's growing um nicely yeah i think so and um i i didn't back then um i didn't visualize it to be here at this exact point i was a bit more okay let's see how this goes because lab- running a label is a labor of love yeah. i was very serious about it it wasn't that i was not serious i was really it was i was really serious and dedicated and ambitious but at the same time it's the music industry um I was in it, I literally had moved to a foreign place without knowing a single soul <laughs> it was a major change and I was um I wasn't young either yeah and um I didn't know what to expect um so I was just trying to also be open to the idea of things taking their own course and just adapting to adapting to to whatever came my way yeah. that's what I'm trying to talk about but then I was also lucky in the sense that um james was giving me consultancy so it was great to have him on board and have his yeah. experience in in the label and then um, after a while he left fat Cat and then um he joined in for a year and we ran the label together so it was definitely great to be running the label with him for a year um and i I'm, it was a great teamwork and then he left and now he has his own um company label services and label and um t- booking agency and he does lots of things um it's, it's called phantom limp so long story i've made i've made a really long and probably answered some of your other questions in the meantime no, it's good that's good
0: you've let you've you've led me on to the next question quite nicely because i was gonna ask you about fat cat was there anything you learned or picked up from your time working there
1: lots of things actually um definitely um well, I was, I was really lucky. Um, it was a small team, very hands-on, so I was able to do quite a bit of things. Like, For example, again, this is not the uh, fun side, but I've done a lot of... Um, obviously, I didn't do this on my own. There are lawyers and people, but um, I've dealt with a lot of contracts, so I've learned quite a bit about the music business. I've yeah. done a lot of publishing, which I had absolutely no idea about because they were, at that time, literally just setting up um, Fat Cat Publishing um, um, together with cooking... Vinyl, yeah, um, um, in partnership with Cooking Vinyl. So I've done a lot of that work. I've helped out with um, uh, the demo site, and it was really um, inspiring um, to see how hands-on they were. They literally actually listened to all the demos that they, that come their way. Yeah, and some of the artists who got really big, like Frightened Rabbit, for example, they came through demos. Or
0: their C. Demo Duncan, for
1: example, was, a Mercury Prize yeah. uh, nominee who's brilliant, um, they found him through the demos as well. So it it gave, like, I saw hands-on how important it is just not to dismiss um, anyone or anything that comes your way just because they're not coming through a, um, you know, um, someone that you know. Because there there are a lot of other people in the industry who think, for example, another, someone else who runs a quite successful label, he once said to me that, oh, I never sign anything through a demo. And then he was quite dismissive about it. Yeah. But what what I saw there is that if you can spare the time, obviously a lot of inappropriate or unfitting stuff comes together with yeah. with the more fitting, the, the great stuff as well. But I think I, I saw the importance of paying attention to uh, the music. Yeah. And um, that was something that I've learned and quite, um, quite appreciated. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying everyone should do that. Obviously, if you're a ninja team, you're probably getting um maybe you don't have the power or the time yeah or or someone else i don't know quite a big label it's it's not always possible to do it but the size that i am and the size that i want to stay in yeah. i think that that was something that i really liked awesome. And um, the importance of <laughs> Dave Corley would laugh at this because um, he was really adamant about metadata and correct tagging, for example, like these tiny little things you don't really. It's
0: very important. Yeah, you don't. Day, yeah.
1: You don't think. And then, um, and then um, a lot of a lot of tracks would end up on SoundCloud searches and in um, um, lists or recommendations. Explore would top the explore list and. That would be through correct tagging and things like that. Yeah. He was very adamant on doing that right.
0: right. It was really funny actually. I, um, I had a effervescent on Fat Cat's demo page initially, mm. and when they got back to me, the first thing they said was it was tagged very nicely. <laughs> <laughs> they mentioned that yeah it's like it's very nice to see it tagged so uh, t- so nicely and everything's in order <laughs> so yeah it's quite a funny funny thing to receive obviously that's not all they said but yeah it's uh it's it's quite important thing I think if you're sending music out sometimes to have things labeled right
1: yeah I mean um you don't you don't think about it but it really does help massively in terms of you know even um, your royalties or your quite For a lot of things, you you don't think about it. You don't think too much about it. And then, um, was it, I think, recently, uh, it was a Katie Tavini who um, tweeted about this, the importance of um, correct tagging, that probably first PRS um, um, had an article about it. I may be getting this wrong, but I recently read something about the importance of metadata in getting your royalties properly right. And, um, you know, so... Just a yeah. tiny little <laughs> side note, but I've I've learned quite a lot of things, and um, not not just these things. I just I brought them, all of them with me to Injaz. It was like a very important. Um, I'm so glad I've done that. Yeah, it was quite informative.
0: talk about vinyl. We are surrounded by vinyl as 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 we're sitting here. Um, You've pressed up most of your releases on vinyl, um, along with it in digital format as well, but do you find it important to be releasing physical copies as well as digital?
1: Definitely. Um, I mean, I'm quite aware of its impact on the environment, and that's something that bothers me, Mm. yes. But records rarely end up in landfill. Still, they have an impact on the environment, negative impact. But um, I'm, I'm trying to live with that and trying to minimise offset our footprint um, by planting trees for or donating um, a pound for every record produced. So um, to build to plant trees, it doesn't offset it completely. But yeah. like trying to do my best to like do whatever I can yeah. to lower the impact. But that put aside. I don't know what it is. It might be human nature to leave a mark on this world, to leave something, the idea of passing something to your loved ones, music, and being surrounded with actual physical records. It's not something I can give up. I mean, a lot of my friends have um, gotten rid of their records and just switched to um, streaming, and they listen on digital. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone's different. But for me, just like the process of holding something in my hands... And putting it on my record player and then just
0: yeah listening there's to it. something very special about that i think especially maybe slightly lost in the digital age especially a playlist and things but when you sit down and put a vinyl on and you listen to an actual album rather than you know chopping and changing with artists i think there's something really special about vinyl where you yeah. sit and listen to a full record in its entire state it is there's something magical
1: yeah, I mean it's it's definitely it's more of um, emotional value to me. I mean there are a lot of people discussing audiophiles discussing the implications of putting something on vinyl or streaming. Obviously, it's they're miles different. But I'm not even going into the technical side of yeah. how it sounds for me. Like even the emotional and the ritualistic side of listening something from a record is it makes it. You know, worthwhile to yeah. be pressing vinyl. Yeah, it's 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 a big um, financial undertaking, and that's true. Um, I, I've realised that, but at the same time, there's still people out there who appreciate vinyl yeah. and who would rather listen to um, tracks, music on vinyl rather than uh, stream them. And some people are quite adamant on not streaming anything as well. I know. Yeah, that that also yeah. happens, especially the kind of music that we put out, and. Um, You know, we have enough fans to be appreciating the vinyl. So, um...
0: I think as an artist, holding your record when it's done is—it's such a nice feeling. That you think if hundreds, if not thousands, of hours have gone into this, and it's like finally, especially with the artwork. That's another thing on vinyl when you get the artwork. Definitely, it's such a special thing. Definitely, compared to CDs, like vinyl having it that much bigger, and you know. Like I've got, I've got mine framed at home. It's just a lovely. It is a piece of artwork at the same time as a as a record is.
1: That's another thing. I'm glad you mentioned that. It. Um, it's not just um, it's not just the music. You hold a record in your hand, and there are records, for example, I bought, having absolutely no idea about the music inside, and not even looking it up. But because the the record is so pretty, the artwork is so striking, and the whole package, like the whole thing, is just like beautiful. I've I've just I wanted to admire the the whole thing the design the artwork and it's just like the whole thing can tell a story without even you hearing the music without you even getting there the the record might be might have a story and then it's just the artworks also I think the artworks that we use there's so much thought goes into it so much effort goes into it, and some of the artists that we work with. And for example, your Tyler Hobbs is yeah. is the designer, um, is is the um, person who's done the art, the artist who's done the artwork, cover art. The designer is Paylor Morris who designed the cover art and cover and uh, the record layout and everything else. Um, it's just very striking, and you you picked our artwork, yeah, and uh, it was just it was it's it's incredible, I think it's... I'm, I'm sure people are looking at it and enjoying it. His work is exceptional. Yeah. So it's great to have it on vinyl. And like you said, you can frame it and put it up on your wall. Yeah. Like Slavomir Mirzombek, I have his original works. I have the Heinali yes. artwork hung on my wall, the original, the, the staples. Yeah. It's just beautiful, beautiful piece of um, art that, yeah. you know, it's just great to have it on vinyl. Yeah.
0: of the label, Um, obviously I've worked with you sort of uh, doing a few releases now with art, how do you go about choosing art for a release and how is the process and why is art so important to you for a release?
1: I think it's because um, I think there's a story not just in the music but visually as well Um, and um, the process is different, sometimes the artist um, the musical artist wants to be involved, and sometimes they might just leave it um, up to us to come with them with ideas. Um, it's been um, it's been a mixture of both. Um, for example, CD App's first record, um, um, I've done the art direction on that um, myself. Which is
0: one of Pieces ever that that is That's beautiful.
1: Mark Bakima, like he's that that artwork is really really striking, yeah. and um he's done that with a ballpoint pen, and um it's his work is amazing, and um I've come across his work while whilst I was looking um online for for um for something else, and I thought it was out with that particular record, um the record really um gave me that impression of that intricate sort of. Detailing, um, just like encircling artwork, very striking, starting from one centre point and just evolving into the circular, intricate, Which almost like into embroidery. His
0: music in a way, because obviously if you watch him play live as well and see him build up his tracks, it's Definitely. actually <laughs> Yeah.
1: You're being more articulate about this. <laughs> English not like, being my first language. I'm trying to explain this but very badly. But I thought it would fit really well with the record. And then he agreed and then um and then we took it from there. But sometimes, um for example, his second record, um, he has come up with the artist, the designer, and um uh he said, I, I really feel like this record needs to have some red in in it and then um that's for example that happened as a um collaborative process yeah. uh, and then for example with your record you came up with the artist and you said I really want to work with Tyler Hobbs and yeah. uh, it can be um it's always a collaborative process in the sense that always ideas coming back and forth yeah and then um the artist um for example when I'm talking to an artist even before I sign a new artist uh, the first thing I ask them is you know we have a very strong visual aesthetic yeah are you happy to stay within the aesthetic because i want to respect an artist's vision yeah aesthetically of course but if that vision is very different from from what i have from the vision i have for the label that's not going to work and they have every right to go to a label and say this is my vision and then um if ours doesn't fit then maybe we're not the right fit yeah so that i always ask and then or up until now, everyone has been happy, <laughs> happy with staying, like working with within yeah. um, the similar aesthetic. For example, like Kane Ali's upcoming record has an incredibly striking, beautiful artwork. Flowers. I, I don't want to give a lot of spoilers, but even that works beautifully within within the whole aesthetic.
0: Yeah, um, and they look, they look nice. Like if uh, if you go to Indie Zero's Bandcamp or or, or um, website, you can see all the different arts together and they do work so nicely together
1: yeah i mean yes i think um i think obviously it doesn't have to be samey samey or limiting but i do believe um you can have like a common stylistic point and then take it from there and then do variations within that stylistic point so um and some people some labels choose to do that and some labels are not hung up on that and i have A lot of respect for both approaches and ideas. But for me, just having all the records together and someone looking at them and saying you know, seeing a story there, that that I quite enjoy.
0: Yeah. Enjoy that. Yeah.
1: Having done that. Save them away To the bank of any criticism Leave a deposit And let them grow
0: it'd be great to talk about some of the artists on the roster for those who maybe haven't heard Uh, maybe you could talk us through some of the artists
1: um yeah i'm very lucky to have been working with the artists that i do uh let's start with you (laughs) (laughs) well i I did uh yeah i remember first seeing effervescent and then being blown away and then i'm thinking to myself I really need to sign Matt. I really <laughs> need to sign Matt and approaching you and trying to convince you <laughs> and to sign with me, which is which is great. Uh, you took a leap of faith there, but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm hoping it panned out. Definitely. Um, well, Matt Emery is an incredibly talented um, pianist and composer um, on the label, UK-based. Um, he has a beautiful um, debut album called Empire of um, solo piano and pieces and um, piano and string pieces, and it's just very evocative, very emotional, very intense, very dark. Um, actually when uh, my promoter friends saw you play at, uh, in Istanbul at Neustev and then met you afterwards they said, he's such a sweet and fun guy and the music that comes out of him is so dark <laughs> and intense <laughs> and emotional. That? that was the question. Yeah, right yin and yang. <laughs> how, how does that happen? And that'll be Matt right? Amory. <laughs> And then we have um, Steve Gibbs, who's who has uh, who does beautiful ambient and contemporary classical music as well. Um, beautifully emotive um, microsounds, piano, um, strings. Um, Christian Löffler was the first one who has actually uh, introduced me to his music. And again, I mean
0: that's quite an introduction in itself.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's just like, again, very, very um, magical, beautiful. First signing was LTO again, very talented composer and producer as well. Um, he does electronic music and he plays piano beautifully as well. So um, that's sort of like um, electronic slash um, contemporary classical. Uh, yeah, so if that that to world, areas, yeah, yeah, he takes different boxes. And we have um, CD App, which is, um, uh, you would say, uh, well, he said, says he defines his own music as uh, post classical grunge, which I find very, uh, which I really like actually, which is very definitive, descriptive. Uh, he plays um, trumpet, he plays his acoustic guitar as a cello with a bow. Uh, it's very, um, mesmerizing yeah. and almost ritualistic you have to see him play live i was
0: gonna say uh, it, it was it wasn't until the first time i saw him live and it's like whoa this is yeah, another level it's mm-hmm. just yeah it's one of the best live things it just builds and builds and builds and it's sonically it's just yeah,
1: yeah it's just like this he's um he's, he's amazing on record as well uh, but if you see him live it just Changes and adds to the whole experience yeah. of his music, and um, yeah, he's from Canada. He's from Vancouver, and um, I'm very happy to have him on the roster as well. And then we have Petra. Um, who is a collaborative musical project um, between Annenon, Brian Ellen simon and Chantal Chadwick. Chantal used to make music for for over a decade as BED, but she never released anything. And then they're an ambient experimental duo, and um, Annenon is a saxophone player and electronic music producer as well. So they came together to do Petra. Uh, so we have them. They're from Los Angeles, and but Chantal now lives in Mexico City. Brian is in LA. <laughs> Um, then we also have Hinako Omori, an incredible Japanese artist, uh, London-based, um, who's an amazing synthesist and producer. Um, electronic sound called her music experimental synth-laden avant-pop, and um, I think that kind of nicely um, describes it uh, in a in, in general sense. Yeah. And um yeah it's just, I'm, I am feel very lucky to release our music and work with her, along with all the other artists on the label. Lying
0: awake, wondering why you still creep into my thoughts. Lying awake, wondering why you still creep into my thoughts. that you, you can't stop?
1: And then we have hey Nali, um who is like you—the uh, way you define him. I really like a professor of sound. Yeah, you called
0: him—he's he uh, he's a doctor. You <laughs> see, he really is.
1: Yeah, like he designs his own uh, modular patches and spends quite a bit of time um, doing that. And then him, he's an experimental electronic music producer, also uh, a composer as well. Um, he used to do more solo piano work in the past, but he's um, now has delved proper into modular synthesis yeah. he's he's um yeah, he's doing that now yeah uh, doing... he's,
0: he's definitely one to go and check out online and go and watch some of his videos he's also got with his dad with tap dancing on a on a board mm-hmm. with modular synthesis and he's just he's just always got yeah. something on the go he's uh, yeah really really worth
1: yeah oh, he's a very versatile artist and he's from ukraine This year, uh, who I'm really really excited about, but unfortunately I can't really <laughs> I can't really share at the moment. Um, I, I I can briefly mention myself. Um, I had initially when we first started out, I released an EP on um, on Ninja Zero, but from um, back then it was a more straightforward electronic label, but it has evolved into something um, different now, and yeah. I don't think my own personal music. Um, is 100% like is, is a great fit so um, uh, thankfully um, I have I mean I don't need to but I have label interest from some some of the other labels I really love so I think f- for me um, from here onwards it's not going to be Ninja Zero yeah. so I'm not sure if I should count myself as a Ninja Zero artist anymore because that EP is... is you are Ninja Zero <laughs>
0: <same>. True,
1: but Villette <laughs> but is not a Ninja Zero artist anymore and then the first EP I put out was re-released by Universal Music. So, um, so I have no music on the label anymore. So, yeah. I, technically, I'm not on the label which is a shame because that's one less woman as well. I love <laughs> I love working with anyone but it's it's nice to have women on the label too. Yeah. So...
0: Yeah, you 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 just spoken about your own music there. Can you tell us any more about uh, what you're up to and the kind of music you make for anyone who doesn't know? Um,
1: very shortly, it started out as um, Mellow electronica, sampling piano, strings, and ambient sort of worlds um, with straightforward beats like four to the floor, that that kind of thing. But I kind of moved away from it, um, in time and now it's more, a bit more, um, well, how should I explain this? Because it's still sample based electronica still, but it's less, uh, it's a bit more experimental now. Um, it's, it's, it's less straightforward. Um, it's so difficult to explain your own music I can, I, I'm much better ex- I, <laughs> um, I think, yeah it's it's a very organic, sample based electronica, I'd say generally yeah. speaking, electronica can mean a lot of things but some tracks are more full to the floor, some tracks are not um, some tracks don't have beats, some tracks do yeah. it's, it's Sitting on a nice mixture.
0: Yeah, and you've literally just had a track out last Friday with Universal for the hundred percent her compilation. Yes, which is very cool.
1: Um, thank you. It is. It, I thought it was a nice initiative. Um, it, it was the first track I ever produced and released on Ninja Zero as well in two thousand fifteen, ages ago. Um, but yes, Universal picked it up, and um, they had um, for to celebrate Women's Day they released a compilation called 100% her electronica composing of featuring 10 women
0: yeah
1: um so it the track ended up there hence no longer on Ninja Zero anymore which is maybe fitting because yeah, yeah. stylistically it's it's, <laughs> it's it's i'm in a different injus zero a different place now yeah
0: be really nice to talk about um how do you feel as a woman working in a predominantly male industry both as a label owner and as an artist and how can we improve opportunities for women in the industry as artists and industry workers
1: oh um thank you for asking this it's it's important to talk about this uh this imbalance um in the music industry although things are getting better for sure um there's still um quite an imbalance in in every sector of the industry for example um I was looking at some stats, and according to female pressure, 85% of labels are owned by men still. And um, founder of Composer, Harriet Moss, recently gave a stat saying 250 box office films in 2018, 94% of them were scored by men. Which is... Yeah, I mean, those figures show a massive imbalance and disparity, um, unfortunately, still. I mean, some figures are... um, more positive for sure but if you look at some other figures or if you look at festival lineups and um that is still it still shows us that there's a long way to go thankfully things are getting better and there are initiatives and um, communities and projects um, that support um, underrepresented communities which is great Um, for example like she said so or composer or female pressure or music production for women um, where uh, women um, um, lgbtq community uh, non-binary artists all come together and support each other And organize workshops, um, free consultations, mentor, mentee schemes. And that's been, I've been a part of some, and that's been super, super helpful. And I've been very lucky to be supported by some other women in the industry very actively, uh, which is great. And I try to do uh, my part in doing that as well. So um, if you're a decision maker, it's really important to um, reach out to other. Uh, other women, um, other females, uh, non-binary, queer artists. And then um, be mindful of the fact that we're still underrepresented and be mindful of of the fact that there's still a lot of prejudice going on in the industry. I have a lot of stories, but um, I, I'll, I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> yeah. But for example, um, I think it's, we all have responsibility. I have responsibility as well. Um, in in With the label, I work with a lot of women Um, a lot of like art publishers uh, graphic designers photographers and um, I have I'm surrounded with women Uh, I'm lucky for that but for example it is my responsibility to work with more women artists, female artists an binary artist that that responsibility falls on my shoulders and um for example you're an artist and um i really loved one of your posts when you posted saying um i've been predominantly working with women and the team that surrounds you were yeah. we're almost all female
0: yeah when, when i first signed to injury zero obviously you're you're running the label and then music sales now wise music group um there was five women on the team out of six people and it was the privilege
1: Oh well that that's that's great to hear because you send out a message to other uh male artists out there saying I'm working with a female team and I'm happy they're doing a good job and and amazing it, job. <laughs> yeah. That that's great to hear but it's it sends it sends the right message and you know having that kind of um support um is is important that kind of giving out that kind of message yeah. it's it's all our responsibility. Um, I think, and it, it is getting better. Although we still have a long way <laughs> to go. And and the fact that if, if people can realize that this is an issue, because a lot of people still don't think this is an issue. It's it's. I wish it wasn't. You know, I, I wish we were there, yeah. but we're not there. And yeah. then people need to people in the industry have to acknowledge that and this has to be addressed. Yeah. We're not making this up. It's not because it's not because the lack of women producers that electronic music um, festivals. Have a massive imbalance in people who play those festivals people have to acknowledge this and i'm still having discussions and sometimes arguments about this with um a lot of not a lot of but quite quite a considerable number of people and i shouldn't be having this conversation really
0: yeah well thank you for talking about that because it's it needs to be addressed and it needs to be spoken about so yeah it's great that we can cover that yeah, I mean, it's
1: it's a very long topic. We can we could probably talk about this for like oh, hours could, and we hours could do and do a hours.
0: Whole, a whole, literally podcast just on the subject. But yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But um, fingers crossed that it's it's getting better. It's improvement. We'll get there. <laughs>
0: so show on Resonance Extra. Um, maybe you could share some of your favourite releases of the last year or so.
1: Oh, okay. Let's do that. <laughs> um, well, I think um, the album I listen to the most would be um, Yossi Horikawa's Spaces. He's an incredible um, Japanese sound designer and producer and um, I probably played every single track of, of that album on Different radio shows. It's, it's a brilliant record that Brian introduced me to uh, from Petra, and um, yeah, he's released it on Borrowed Scenery, his own label. Um, but I just love it. He's um, it's based on field recordings that meet different stylistic points. Yeah. So um, that's that's one record that I, I couldn't stop listening to, and highly recommend if you haven't heard it, just go to it, listen to it, immerse yourself in his world. (laughs) And um, another one which got mixed reviews actually, but I really enjoyed was Brand Brower Frick's Echo. Um, I thought like um, the instrumentation, uh, musicianship and production on it is just amazing. I really enjoyed listening to it. Um, Another one is one of my favorite electronic music producers called Quirk and he released um, Steal a Golden Hail on Whitey's, one of my favorite labels. Um, I really, I really like. Um, I've been following his music since he started putting out a couple of EPs from years ago, and then um, yeah, his his LP is great as well. Very difficult to get my hands on, but um, I did it in the end. Yeah. And um, a more straightforward electronic record was Upard's um, "Hands Rest" on Key Records, Christian Lafras label. Yeah. But um, I really enjoyed listening to that record as well. Um, and Caterina Barbieri she's brilliant um uh, her record ecstatic computation again on one of my favorite labels editions mega was just i mean i'm i'm this is like obvious that it was in pretty much all of my friends best of best albums of the year list yeah. so she's her album was amazing um alessandro cortini's album on mute um volume massimo was was great as well something yeah. I, i've enjoyed listening to quite a lot um Barker's Utility, again, I'm being very obvious here, but it's just such a, such an amazing record <laughs> that I couldn't stop listening to. Um that was great. And um Thomas Nordmarks, um, based producer, Eternal Words album. Um was, that's something I really enjoyed. And um yeah, um he's 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 great as well. Mete's Komachi, again, um beautiful, beautiful sounds, a beautiful world that he's crafted in that album. That I Really enjoyed listening to um, highly recommended. Um, Bora, um, um, who's a French artist um, on First Terrace Record, beautiful experimental record uh, called Noye. And it's someone on Bandcamp read a brilliant review saying um, it's very rare that an album is so unsettling and um, serene at the same time. And I think that would summarize that album. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great, I highly recommend that. Caroline Sean at Tucker Quartet's album, Orange, that's beautiful. <laughs> very, very um, beautiful record. Um, Hildur um, um Chernobyl soundtrack is very powerful. Yeah. Again, I'm being obvious here, but maybe things are obvious because of a reason. Um, and then um, Kin Leon on Kitchen Label, his album Commune, I really enjoyed it. And um, I saw him play live um, in February at Carphoto. And like a bit like C D Ab, the album became more alive after I heard and played it live. Yeah, for me, like, and I came back to it with fresh ears. Yeah, and then it kind of informed.
0: I love that. Changed my
1: experience I of the album. I love that when
0: you go and see something and you're enjoying it and you go and see it live and then you listen back to the record and it's almost like it's. Taken another dimension.
1: Yeah, definitely. That, it was sort of that kind of experience, and he's so young. I think he's twenty-one, and I'm really looking forward to what he's going to be doing next. And um, yes, yeah, so that was that was another my enjoyed as well. Last but not the least, um, on Leisure Systems, it's it's not an LP, but it's an EP. But I think um, it, it's brilliant. So I'm putting it in the favorite albums uh, of 2019 list uh, from um, a Germany-based um, producer uh, who's on this beautiful ep on modular synths uh, called jacko jacko i think it's it's written as j-a-k-o-j-a-k-o um but i i've i reckon i, I don't know how would it be pronounced you help me out ja- jacko,
0: jacko? jacko jacko
1: jacko jacko yeah called um equilibration um i haven't stopped listening to that ep it's, it's brilliant i love it cool so um that would be something I highly recommend. I play um, her tracks in my shows quite a lot, so.
0: Cool. so. That's lovely for anyone searching for some new music. They got loads of suggestions there.
1: Hopefully, you like <laughs> some of them. Um, I'm, I'm sure people who listen to this podcast know uh, most of them, but yeah, or all of them. I, I don't know, but um, that's that's those are the releases that I can stop listening to last year.
0: least, if uh, Zero could have released any sort of recent uh, record that's just come out, was there anything that you would have loved to have worked on?
1: Um, I've mentioned this in my favourite releases of last year. I'd love to have released Yoshi Horokova's Spaces. Um, he released it on his um, own label called Borrowed Scenery with Daisuke Tanabe, who's um, another experimental artist. Um, um, japanese artist and you actually share uh a release with him the mind Completion. he also oh, has yeah. a track there and you have a track on there as well uh you kindly contributed um to that completion. and um and i have the utmost respect of, of artists releasing their music on their own labels which is great uh that's something i've done as well Uh but um, I was just sending him because he's done some mastering work for Petra, and he's he's I mean he's an incredible artist and lovely lovely person to work with, and very professional as well. And I was just like I was emailing him and saying, oh I'm hoping maybe we can do something in the future. You know I'd love to do something with you another project. I was just like giving hints and it's very subtle, yeah you know, maybe not so subtle. <laughs> yes. but I was just just kindly putting it out there, just saying you know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So I, I would have loved to have released that record on Inja Zero from last year. But from, if you say from from any time at any point, it's just I think I'm going to have to sit and think for like 10 hours to like, i have probably come up with something and say, no, no, no but then there was this, but no, 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 no but then there was this, then there was this. It was just like, I, I wouldn't know what to say. Yeah. It's, it's such a vast pool of incredible music out there it's just like it would drive me crazy just trying to pick one it's just like kill me
0: yeah well thank you so much for taking the time today and um
1: thank you so much for having me it's always very 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 good fun to chat to you Cool. and i'm lucky to do that in our in our lives in different contexts but thank you for having me thank you very much